it's been a cold day. Man, it's been a brutal winter. But why in the world would you believe an animal crawling out of the ground could tell you when spring's going to arrive? Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek, and this week we'll be talking varmints and plants, actually, which is a better weather forecaster. Hope you have been having some good weather. I had the strawberry moon come through, brought a little warmer weather, but I I really can't complain. Overall, my weather, you know, some warmer days, some cooler days. We actually had a a couple really pleasant days this week. Low humidity, below normal temperatures, my kind of stuff. It's nice to get out, be comfortable outside. So I was thrilled with that. But there's no doubt it's going to be a little warmer this weekend. I sent out a tweet today, actually. I was looking at some analysis that New York City area, you know, normal this time of year, normal high is right around 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so, you know, you're really talking, let's say 27 degrees Celsius, somewhere in that range, a little, you know, degree either way. And Eugene, Oregon, so the other side of the country, for those that don't know the U.S., and even those that live in the U.S. that aren't familiar with where it is, over, you know, towards the Pacific Coast. But Eugene is home to the University of Oregon, which has a very famous track and field, I'm I'm merging words, track and field program that this weekend, and actually over the past few days, has been hosting the U.S. Olympic trials for track and field. And it's been a little warm. It's been a little warm out west for a while, but this Sunday... So their their normal high this time of year is almost the same. Actually, a hair bit cooler, but you know, we're splitting hairs here. This this Sunday, I'm I'm looking at going for a bike ride, and you know the temperature's supposed to be right around 90 degrees Fahrenheit here, maybe a little short of that, so a little over 31, 32 C, some somewhere in that range, but a little warmer than I like it. So I'll probably go out early. And, you know, hopefully I'll be moving fast enough to where I'll get some evaporation that, you know, there's a chance of thunderstorms, some, you know, maybe some humidity. But then I looked at what these athletes are going to have to deal with. There's a chance that temperatures could reach 110 degrees Fahrenheit, people. Scorching. I can't even fathom that. I mean, even for athletes that, you know, are used to competing in all sorts of situations, that's some brutal heat. Hope they fare okay. And I know they've already been moving the time on some of the events to try to keep them out of the heat of the day. Because even the past few days, when I've been watching any of these trials, I mean, it's just there's not been a cloud in, in the sky. I mean, I, I, you know, blue sky and all that, great. But, oh, I, I just, yeah, let's, let's hope they all survive okay. And then you turn around and there was other news this week. Uh, you know, for those that follow the news, you probably saw the the story about part of a condominium building collapsing in Miami, Florida, here in the U.S. It, it's just one of those times that's sort of shocking. Having having lived in an area with earthquakes, I've seen this kind of stuff that can happen where part of a building fails. But it was just sort of odd. And when you pull back away from the building itself, if you've gotten any shots of that, I mean, it it, it looks like a beautiful location right on the Atlantic coast, right on the beach. And it made me start thinking 
It's about 40 years old. I looked at the history, built in the early 80s, so we're really right at that that 40-year time frame, that I have no doubt that there's going to be some analysis of the effects of hurricanes on this, and maybe there has been already, but I'm reading more and more things where a weather component's going to come into play. Now, it's a building that sits on like concrete pylons, pretty tall building, but it's not uncommon to build them that way, and they do that so water, if it does come in, can actually move underneath the building without you know, causing, if you have too much building in the way, that pressure of trying to hold back the water is actually detrimental to the building. So having it just on a few pylons where water can move more freely is actually a good thing. That said, I'm sure there's going to be some analysis of if there have been any type of events in the area or enough events that in that 40-year period, have they changed the ground structure such? Because that's the report I saw today. That possibly, right, this building's been seeking into the ground. And so maybe part of it sank differently another, and it cre- it doesn't matter. This is a devastating outcome, and hopefully, hopefully, with the loss of life that, you know, they're just beginning to tally because they're still trying to get to people that are buried underneath there. I- I'm presuming at this point most of them are not going to be found alive. But hopefully something good can come out of it or we learn something from it. You know, tragedies... If we don't get anything from them, it it just seems pointless. So, you know, for anybody who has a connection to these people, I'm very sorry for what you're having to deal with right now. There's no way I can even begin to comprehend what it is. But if there's a weather component and if we can learn how to become better equipped to deal with such a thing so that this loss of life doesn't have to happen again, that would be a good thing. All right. If you had a weather story this week and you want to reach out, you know how to get me. What is about the weather at gmail.com. You can also hit me on Twitter at what is about weather or me personally, Mark underscore Jelinek. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weather. And I'll make note that Aaron, two weeks in a row, he's on a streak. Now I'm going to put pressure on him. He's, he wrote a couple really good things. If you don't go over there, whether you support the podcast or not, right, monetarily, go read what he wrote. He's been very thoughtful in sharing some experiences, and he's good about that. You know, in the past, he would do it in an email, so I'm, I'm glad he's chosen to do it in this forum. I, I wish I could tell him that there were thousands of people reading this, which would not be true, but hopefully something's good coming of that, that there are some people getting some benefit from, you know, a, a different perspective, right? You, you hear me talking about these things, but it, it's good to have someone else who's relating to it and you know, what they might want to share. So thanks again, Aaron, for doing that. All right, let's 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 jump to the main topic. Now, I've talked a little bit before about how I find stories or how I find topics for the podcast. Sometimes it's an idea that's been churning around in my head, right? Sometimes it's an idea that's been churning around in your head and you share it with me. Both of those, a lot of times it may be a broad idea or a broad topic and I got to hone in on something. And, or home in, whichever you prefer. Uh, both uh, apparently are legitimate. And yeah, probably home in is the right thing. But it may take some time, right? I may get a topic, and, and particularly if it's not one that, that I came up with, I may have to think about how to tackle it, what are the best sources, how I might narrow it down. So it's a churning process. 
every now and then, okay, I'll also, when I'm reading journals or, or things related to my work, and I, I might come across a story, it doesn't even have to be journals, it can be a newspaper article, but again, similar sort of case where that may trigger a thought or an idea. And for almost all the things, every time I do an episode, right, it'll, it'll be something that has been churned over in my mind probably for a couple months, not always, and sometimes even longer, because I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think about how to tell the story, how to get to the point that you will find useful without me dragging on for an hour or more, because I could easily do that if I did a deep dive on things. But every so often, also when I find a journal article or something like that or come across one, it's just, you got to run with it. It, it, the article itself is just don't don't overthink it, don't get too deep, and this is going to be one of those cases, right? So this past week, as I often do, sometimes I have a week where I'm flipping through a journal, right? And that, that's a, I guess I don't literally flip through anything anymore, reading through a journal on a pad or a laptop or whatever it is, and a story just. It catches me for whatever reason. Sometimes it's it's really an aha thing, like that is really just. That's specific enough that I can that I can talk about it for a short period of time, and it's interesting enough, or I feel it's interesting enough that we can go somewhere with it. But this one was a little different, and that I just the title caught me. It had me laughing, yet at the same time, it was useful. And so let's talk about it a little bit. All right, and I will tell you. This article, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I'm not able to often give you guys access to journal articles that are open and you know, readily available for you to view or in, in read. This time you can. So I highly recommend you go and you read this one because you'll, you'll start to appreciate, I think, the idea of journals and journal articles without being bogged down in something that you go, What? I don't care, or that part doesn't make any sense to me. It's a quick read. There's some tables, there's some figures. So it's, I think it's with references and everything, it's like seven or eight pages long. It's, but it's a really quick read, and I think you'll enjoy it. But I went towards the end because I like to do this. Sometimes I like to see where the funding comes from or just acknowledgments of the paper, and this one really cracked me up. So the acknowledgment starts like this This study was the result of a truly laboratory driven effort that started over speculation on Friday at the campus pub, All right? That's, it, you know, it sets the stage, sets the bar really high right there. And then we'll go back to the front now, and this is the title of the paper. Broad-scale assessment of groundhog, marmota monics, okay, that's the what groundhog actually is, predictions of spring onset, no better than chance, right? So you have everything you need to know. The conversation started with a pub and what they've proven in this paper, and you can even read the, you know, the abstract if you want to, is anytime you see the annual groundhog predictions, you could flip a coin and do just as well. All right. Groundhog Day. We've discussed the movie before. We've discussed the idea before. Here you are in the middle of winter. Eh, depending where you are, it could be late winter for a lot of places, early February, candle mass day traditionally. So it comes from Europe. Although this day itself, Groundhog Day specifically, is a North American thing. Now, in Germany, which is where it's believed the origins of this thing are, they do actually have a badger that they do something similar with and other animals. And we've talked about animals as feeling weather, 
and maybe even having a sense of something that's coming. But this idea, is, it, it's very simple. The, the context of it's very simple anyways is you look for when those animals are coming out of hibernation and you go, oh, if they're coming out of hibernation, they've got a sense of what's coming. And that may tell you, you then have to know, is that early or late, right? Did, did that happen sooner or later than we expected? But it kind of tells you, hey, you know, if the animals aren't out by this date, we probably still got some more winter coming. If they're coming out by now, oh, we're going to have an early spring. But Groundhog Day grew to something more specifically. They started getting critters that, and this is the reality with groundhogs. Depends, again, where you are in North America. But if you're in the northern U.S. or Canada, and this paper is actually born out of Canada more than it was in the U.S., groundhogs traditionally would probably not start coming out of hibernation until early March, all right, which would be more like towards the end of, of winter. And the further south you go, because I, I grew up in an area, we had our own groundhog in Atlanta, Georgia, right? So it's going to shift a little bit based on where you are latitudinally, and that makes sense, perfect sense. But fundamentally, these groundhogs weren't ones coming out of hibernations. They were ones that were either kept in a cage or, you know, they threw them in a stump the night before. And when they came out, you know, trying to judge these things. But what I liked about this paper is even in the context of something as lighthearted, if you will, as Groundhog Day, they took the process very seriously, right? They presented a question and a hypothesis is you know, do the groundhogs actually, are they good predictors? They talked about the importance because actually knowing the onset of spring and the timing of onset of spring is very important in the agricultural community. And that's probably where it was born out of to begin with is, you know, do the farmers need to be getting ready to plant their fields, right? And as we've changed into an industrial society, it still does dictate when things are going to happen. You know, when you might start shipping different products for, for seasonal purchases and those sort of things. So it is relevant. Then they went into the data, what data they were going to use, right? Where it came from, what the sources were. They have a whole table that lists all these groundhogs that they used. What the approach was, so they laid it out for you. Again, it's easy to follow. They built on, this is not a new topic, I found that interesting. They built on other people's research that maybe had done it in a more limited way that they didn't felt, feel was deep enough in terms of the analysis or effective enough, but that's common in science. You get an initial finding and that initial finding needs to be fleshed out to determine you know, if it's really accurate because sometimes we, we walk across something, we go, wow, my initial data may support that analysis and it may have been very thorough for what I was doing, but it, that that hypothesis, that theory needs to be tested again and again to make sure it's valid. That's the whole point. You know, what were the limitations? How might you expand it or make it a broader topic to look at or different criteria that are relevant to the case at hand? Or in the case of what they've done here, they actually brought another predictor. They brought the idea of plants. And when a, the, there's a certain Carolina... What, let's see if I've got the name of this thing in in, in here. I, I know I do, and I'm going to babble along for a second before I pull it out. But they went and they found, you know, essentially a shrub or, you know, something that bloomed in the spring. It's called the Carolina Spring Beauty is what it's it's called. 
And it had an overlapping range for a lot of these groundhogs. Now, groundhogs had a different range. This this plant had a different range. But in terms of where Groundhog Day is celebrated, there was a lot of overlap. So it seemed very logical. And as we know, you know, plants, you kind of use them as a predictor. A, a classic one are cherry blossoms, right? And, and the timing of cherry blossoms to know, you know, when spring is sprung sort of thing. And in doing that, they were also trying to increase the objectivity in terms of what qualified as an early spring versus, you know, somebody maybe more arbitrarily defining that in some previous analysis. But even in the context of all that, even in trying to make it a more robust scientific situation, if you will, they also made it relatable. And they didn't try to take themselves too seriously. And one of the things that caught me, just, you know, you read the long and it's filling all the regular scientific things. And then they talk about how they decided of all the potential groundhogs that they were going to consider. Which ones actually got to stay on the list? And so they, you know, the first one it reads, well, it had to be a true groundhog. Because so sometimes the groundhogs were, you know, maybe the same subspecies, but it wasn't actually a groundhog. And, they, you know, they were testing groundhogs, so they wanted to stay with that. And then, but then it went right into, and the animal was, uh, and I'm quoting here, the animal was a living, breathing groundhog and not a taxidermic groundhog or stuffed puppet, right? So not some made-up groundhog, right, where someone's making a prediction and making it seem like a groundhog. And the third was, and the predictions were made by a reported visual inspection of a shadow, because that's the idea. Did the groundhog sing, see the shadow and how that relates to when spring's going to run? And not by the groundhog whispering its prediction into the hand, in the handler's ear, right, or choosing between labeled bowls of food, right? So you, can, you could prompt an animal, certainly with his favorite food in one bowl versus the other. And they were, you know, again, it sounds funny on one hand, but, you know, you're trying to eliminate bias that's introduced by Groundhog Day being a celebration. It's not just about the scientific nature of it. So both humorous, but gets to the core of trying to be objective with the science, right? And they went through all these things. And were there a couple of performers that seemed to do well? Yeah. Did they find anything else meaningful in all that? This, that, yeah, flip a coin. You're better off. And it doesn't matter whether you are Canada or the U.S. doesn't matter whether you're in Georgia or Nova Scotia. Flip a coin. Take a stab. You'll probably do just as good a job. But I tell you, and I highly recommend in this case, because... It, it just was, like I said, it was one of those things where I just wanted to present it as I came across it and had a laugh in a week where a, a laugh was good. It was a good de-stressor for me. So if you need a de-stressor, it's enjoyable. But it, but it really does kind of capture the essence of scientific thought and the things that you go through when you're trying to prove or disprove something meaningful, some sort of hypothesis that you're, you know, you're trying to test or verify whether a certain predictor is useful and that's what we do with weather and climate and science in general is can something about a give us some important answer over here that's b because that's how we advance it's how we use science to move forward but i will so read the paper right appreciate it for what it is it doesn't take itself too seriously and you'll see that 
but it gets to those core fundamentals of how we should maybe think about science and go through the proper steps. Even when you think maybe at first it's not something that can be done. It also brings to your mind there are different ways that are non-traditional ways that are still valid ways to test a hypothesis. But as I mentioned, they brought up this this Carolina spring beauty thing, and and I started thinking about times when you know I I thought about plants, and maybe a late freeze comes in. But you know, in theory, plants are it's not there's no mm, emotional attachment sort of thing necessarily and plants and their onsets usually time pretty well to changes you know the morning temperatures usually have to get above a certain range before they come out of dormancy but that doesn't mean things can't revert they're looking at more of a long-term average right but they don't always get it right do they so keep in mind that plants can get it wrong too and remember those frozen buds because there's much more to weather than the weather itself.